I'm Len Wolf, and welcome to this edition of our Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series, What Smart Technology for Financing Is and Why Dealers Need It. Listen in on our discussion with Jeff Boots and Roderick Wilkins, who are both directors for the technology consulting company Capgemini. This podcast is brought to you by Yanmar. I encourage you to subscribe to this series, which is currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. You will then receive an alert about upcoming episodes when they are released. Thank you to Yanmar for bringing us this podcast. Don't settle for less when you can have more. Yanmar makes all its compact tractors major drivetrain components all in-house, and your customers get a hardworking machine with more usable horsepower, less power loss, and a smoother, more comfortable ride. Strengthen your dealership today with Yanmar. Email them at agmarketing at yanmar.com or call 770-877-9894. Jeff Boots and Roderick Wilkins of Capgemini explain that artificial intelligence, blockchain, and smart contracts are three kinds of technology which are improving processes and outcomes in other industries, but which are not yet available for equipment financing. Dealers can change that, however, by learning about these technologies and then demanding it of their financing partners. Well, thank you for talking with us today, Roderick and Jeff. And we have a really interesting topic that I think our dealers are interested to know more about, which has to do with technologies and financing. And so before we get into the topics, could you please just introduce yourselves and and what you do at Capgemini? Yeah, so my name is Jeff Boots, and I am a director within the Banking and Diversified Finance practice within Capgemini. And within our practice and my role, we work with finance companies, which include you know, banks, independents, and captive equipment finance and lessors to deliver solutions to their customers. So we work with technology platforms and the finance companies to deliver solutions that benefit ultimately the end, either consumers or partners and dealers within the network of these manufacturers in order to enable financing solutions, especially in the next generation of financing with the emerging technologies that we are seeing in today's market. I'm Roderick Wilkins. I'm also a director in the same group at, at Capgemini. We are a, a consulting firm as well as a technology firm. So Jeff and I are at the, at the involved in the part of the business that looks to the future and sees how things could be as well as looking at how things are and how to get from here to there. A large part of our firm is involved in delivering the new visions and helping the roadmap from here to there actually happen. Well, excellent. And part of the way we're getting from here to there is with these technologies. And so the three that you have looked at were artificial intelligence, blockchain, and smart contracts. And I know these are very complicated subjects, but if you could just break down an overview of these technologies, how they're being used now and what their advantages would be for customers and for our dealers. So let's uh, start with artificial intelligence. In some of our research and certainly the video, we talked about sort of the science fiction aspects of artificial intelligence, you know, robots or things from Hollywood, right? In reality, it's very easy to sort of bring that forward to what people actually know, which are things like chatbots or sort of automated emails. Everyone's probably had that experience where, you know, they're within you know, a mile or two of a certain, you know, retailer, and suddenly they get an email saying, you know, hey, here's a 20% off coupon. And so within the equipment finance industry, the way we're seeing artificial intelligence used 
certainly is in, in the communication format, such as the, the chat bots and being able to, you know, field calls instead of a person having to do some of the frontline activities. We've got the artificial intelligence doing that. And there are a couple of aspects to it. One is programmatic and the other is cognitive. Within the cognitive aspect, I think that's where we're really seeing the organizations and the finance companies start to to harness artificial intelligence by looking at using machine learning and using the knowledge and all the data that they have and the power of that data to be able to present solutions to their customers based on information that they already know. But, you know, five, 10 years ago, or even one or two years ago, it was simply too much to process in the amount of time that would facilitate a transaction. So one of the, an example of this would be based on all the information that as a finance company or a dealer that you already know about the customer, you are able to present back to them a solution because, you know, you know, their financial situation, you know, what they've been able to afford in the past, you know, what they've spent, you know, that every spring, you know, that they're going to be looking and you can get some of that communication to them to say, okay, here's an opportunity. We know that they're going to be looking, let's get it in front of them before they even think about calling or looking to others for that opportunity. So there's a lot of artificial intelligence that's in place in the way of, you know, marketing and communicating with customers, even on the front end. And so, as you saw, Lynn, from the video, part of what we see the future offering is a combination of what the finance company know and what the dealer knows. The dealer will know the sort of equipment and the sort of issues that the prospect is going to face day by day and what equipment might well match. And the finance company will know about a broader world involving credit histories and involving behaviors insofar as finance and banking are concerned. And when you combine the two, one of the things that we see people doing at the moment, those who are at the front end of this, is constructing what we've come to call personas, an individual persona for you. You have identifiable individual characteristics in the time that Jeff was talking about five, 10 years ago, finance companies, and I think probably dealers as well, were looking at customers in fairly large scale groups. That's not the case anymore. What you're looking at is a future world where people are literally a market of one. And so to be successful in that, we think that dealers and equipment financiers will need to hook up using these sorts of technologies reviewing the data that they've assembled over the years, configuring it in a way that identifies your individual characteristics, and then looks at the product combinations that are best likely to meet your needs, and then putting those in front of you at the time when they're needed. Those are the sorts of things we believe that the world already can deliver, and equipment financing companies should begin to take the steps that are needed to be able to make that happen if they want to they want to stay successful. And so then looking at smart contracts, can you give an overview of those as well? Well, yes. The first successful efforts at building smart contracts was not in this industry, but in the mortgage industry. And I was happily involved in it at the time many years ago. A smart contract is just exactly that. It's a contract that the basic terms of which are agreed by the people who are involved in the industry concerned. So let's say dealers and equipment financiers are well used to each other. They understand 
what each other's needs are in terms of the way that a financial product is marketed, the way the title, if it's a lease, needs to be transferred, the covenants of reliability and things, a buyer, a finance company, and the lessee is going to look for. And these are capable of being agreed in advance along industry standard lines. Now, they're not agreed at the moment along industry standard lines in equipment finance, but they could be. And if some dealers and some equipment finance companies can make arrangements to agree a standard form of the the smart contract, which makes it both smart from the fact that the terms are already agreed and are manipulatable according to the individual circumstances of a particular transaction. If those are agreed and in place, then this can be a virtual contract. It doesn't need to be reduced to writing. It can be presented online to a lessee, to a farmer, and it can be signed online and need never be reduced to paper. Because it's smart, everybody knows what the terms and conditions are. I say everybody, the lessee might not to begin with, but these can be simply explained. And the events that trigger the creation of the smart contract and follow its signature can also be invoked virtually. By that, I mean sort of automatically without a lot of human intervention. Having a smart contract in place assumes that people have begun to agree the way that data looks like. Now, this isn't obviously interesting as far as you and I are concerned in terms of the way a dealer and a lessor think about things, but having a common set of standards about what the data looks like that's involved, how serial numbers are going to be expressed, and what various words mean in a contractual sense. Having those things agreed in advance means you, you need to start somewhere with an industry standard. And as we mentioned in the article, we're hoping to begin to persuade the Equipment Leasing Association to begin to set up a body like the mortgage industry did many years ago and started something called MISMO. These are standards for data and contract terms that have allowed the mortgage industry to do the sorts of things with contracts that are becoming smart that the leasing industry hasn't yet got to. I need to stop and draw breath for a minute. I think I've said enough for a while. Let me just add one thing to that. In terms of how this is relatable in the rural dealer network, you know, a lot of times you talk about contracts that have usage-based pricing, right? So they pay so much for the equipment, but you know, a certain number of hours per month are included. And if you go over that, you only pay by the hours. And part of that is structured financing that benefits both the user of the equipment and the finance company so that if the equipment is overused, you know, there's some compensation for that, right? And one of the ways that smart contracts can handle that is if the technology is in place to be able to, you know, record these hours and the metered usage so that on a monthly basis, an invoice can be, you know, produced and payment transacted for the actual you know, usage, the technology is in place to really enforce that and permit these trusted transactions. And taking that one more step, Lynn, a little further, if the dealer is hooked into this technology chain, the dealer will be getting information on equipment usage, which will allow that dealer to make judgments as to what actions to take with regard to servicing or equipment replacement or upgrade or any combination of the above. All right. So with artificial intelligence, that makes sense. I've seen that and that's already happening. 
So with blockchain, you're saying that's not in terms of the equipment financing and leasing world, that's not happening yet, this trusted network. What would take for this to start happening now in this industry? Well, the public blockchains have got a fairly bad rap, haven't they, around Bitcoin recently? They are big and complex and full of risk, but the parts of blockchain that have begun to work are those private consortium-type blockchains where a small group of people agree to specific standards for their blockchain and that then transactions that are loaded into the blockchain happen with great speed and a high degree of trust. I mean, the reason that we have intermediaries is because you know, if the three of us were involved in the transaction and you were the banker, Lynn, I'm the seller, just the buyer, we want to make quite certain that any terms and conditions we've agreed between us are in place before the money changes hands. And what a blockchain does is it actually replaces you, the banker, so that as the transaction is loaded, the blockchain looks at the events that have occurred. And because we have all agreed to abide by the terms of the blockchain, by, by its conditions, if you like, as soon as a transaction is loaded, various assumptions agreed upon in advance cut in and the money can become Jeff's without the need to go to you, the banker. Now, that's begun to happen in a number of different places, primarily in the banking market. Let's say, for instance, that we look at a rural dealer. What that would mean is that instead of the transaction going through a series of banks, it could be done immediately on a blockchain. And so that that transaction, when it's completed, the money falls into Jeff's hands from mine within seconds, instead of taking hours to go through the ACH system. So where does the technology actually live? How is it monitored? How is it kept secured? Well, in this particular case, it's probably based in the cloud, which is a good deal more secure than most people allow for these days. And only members of the blockchain have access. One of the big differences between a public blockchain and a private one is that almost anybody can get access to a public blockchain. Only system members, blockchain members, can access the private ones that we're talking about. And so there'd be a fairly complex level of entry. When you sign into the blockchain, you'd probably go through all sorts of identification sign-ons to begin with. And once you're in, what you do is trusted by everybody else in the network. That's the basic underlying concept of a blockchain. Everybody who is a member of the association, if you like, or the consortium trusts all the other ones. Yeah, one last thing, in terms of the storage, you know, you're seeing the IBMs and the Microsofts, you know, starting to do blockchain as a service, right? So it's not so much for the, the rural dealers, certainly, or the even the banks, to a large extent, that are owning and providing the blockchain. You know, you're seeing blockchain as a service being provided by these larger technology companies to the banks or to the finance companies, or, you know, maybe even soon enough to the networks of the associations, you know, like the Equipment Leasing Association that, you know, we work closely with in terms of producing this video. Would smart contracts be the same way? Would that be operated as a service? Yes. Again, it's consortium-like, isn't it? Smart contract and blockchain payment system in concept technically are very similar. 
We'll rejoin the discussion in a bit, but I did want to take a moment and again thank our sponsor, Yamar, for making this program possible. Yamar continuously strives to exceed customer expectations and deliver exceptional lifetime value. Visit them at yamartractor.com backslash new dealer inquiry. So far in this podcast, Jeff Boots and Roderick Wilkins have shared how dealers and financing companies can use artificial intelligence to better understand and communicate with customers, how blockchains can store data in a trustworthy network and enable fast and secure transactions, and how smart contracts can automate agreements and lead to customized solutions for equipment, service, and financing. Let's get back to the discussion to see how these technologies apply to selling rural equipment. And would there be a way for you to provide an example of how a rural equipment buyer would go through these three steps? So if they're starting to do research on buying a tractor and they're going to a manufacturer's or dealer's website, can you talk through maybe how that you know, the chatbot would start and then how they might move through the transaction and how the dealer would be involved in that? You know, in an ideal world, the dealer would be one of the lead people because the dealer would have been using their data along with that of the finance company to identify who their best prospects were. And the dealer would be marketing to, say, the farmer in advance of the farmer actually going online. But if we take your example and say that it's the farmer who's doing the investigating, at least the smart dealer and finance company are waiting for that contact. And they've pre-built these personas that we're talking about. And so as soon as contact is made by the farmer, that those personas are made live. And if we're talking chatbot here, it might be an AI-based chatbot that initially conducts part of that chat conversation. I can remember realizing a year or so ago when I'm talking to my phone company on a chat line that I wasn't talking to a person to begin with, that they were looking to try and see through AI who I was and what I wanted before they decided to assign me to a person. And if I just wanted to talk about getting a copy of my bill, there might be no human intervention in that process whatsoever. And so those are some of the things, for instance, that a chatbot's doing. It's doing it on voice recognition and uh, on artificial intelligence. Is that where you wanted us to start? Right, right. So there's that initial interaction. And then let's say then the customer is interested and ready to make a purchase. How do they flow through this process? Ideally, I know some of these pieces aren't ready yet, but how would they flow through the process? Helping the dealer understand their role in it or where they step off. It's really the dealer, isn't it, Jeff, who's talking to the customer at this stage. We, Kat Jim and I did a survey of finance in, in the automobile industry. And what that made clear to us that these days, most people have made their finance choice before they go and visit a dealer in buying a car. And we're not certain how far that might extend into your industry. Might be worth a while thinking about that. But going back on online to the main conversation, it normally would be the farmer who's contacting the dealer to say, I'm interested in buying this. And what are your terms and conditions? Now, if the smart dealer and the finance company have done what we're recommending here, then the dealer would then be able to online present attractive, appealing financing options. 
amongst them, of course, the usage case that Jeff's talking about. And it might be that the dealer has realized this particular customer would like to pay by usage, by the hour, rather than so many dollars per month. You've got, I think, some direct experience around that, Jeff, with some of the transactions you looked at for this survey that some people would prefer to pay by the hour on usage rather than you know so many thousands of dollars a month or a quarter. Yeah, that's right. And that's a big part of it. And I think, you know, the way artificial intelligence gets this process started is by knowing the customer and what big data enables you to do when combined with artificial intelligence is to predict what the customer will be looking for. And so if you think about a typical transaction where, you know, let's say a a rural farmer is looking for a piece of equipment and they contact the dealer and, you know, start the process with the chatbot and, and the chatbot is, you know, really just facilitates the communication, may well skip that process and speak directly to the dealer. But if the dealer has the technology and in, in an interface in front of him, he's able then to say, oh, okay, well, this is all the information I know about this farmer. And here are some of the options that I can present that not only are advantageous to me, the, the dealer, but more importantly, quite honestly, is to the end customer, right? Because you, you know them and because the artificial intelligence brings together their buying patterns and their needs, what they're looking for, you're able to really predict for them and provide financing options that will suit their needs and then expedite, I suppose, the transaction as well as really pull them in and say, I'm adding value to this. You know, there's a real relationship here and I'm adding value to you because I'm presenting you with options. For example, here's a base payment that you'll pay for this equipment. And, you know, maybe you're thinking about expanding, but you're not really sure. So here's a, you know, sort of lower risk way to purchase this equipment. If your business grows, you know, both of us sort of grow together in the sense, yes, you know, you'll pay for your additional usage, but if you're using it, the equipment more, that means that, you know, you've expanded your business and you're successful. And there's a synergy there in terms of, of the structure that's in place. And I was going to add a couple of sidebars to that, which was that it doesn't just have to be the dealer offering the finance element as well. In addition to the price of the equipment and the consequential finance Parts of this, the dealer can and and should, in in our view, be offering bundled services. So the things that the persona would include would be a batch of needs around servicing, around replacement of tires or some other filters or whatever that the dealer knows are going to happen. And if, if the dealer knows, for instance, that that particular farmer is going to use the equipment for a specific purpose, there may be downstream needs that the farmer's customers have, just like you saw in in our example in the video, so that the dealer is enabling the farmer to reach their goals and objectives and to reach beyond those in need. If the dealer and the finance company put their heads together sensibly and invented the correct personas, which would allow the artificial intelligence to pop those options onto a conversation that the dealer's having with the farmer when the farmer's interested. And if, of course, the farmer then decides, right, this is the deal I want, then one of the things that dealers are always most interested in is sealing the deal quickly, getting the deal off the street, stop the farmer from going shopping elsewhere. And so the other advantage of this technology would be for the dealer to say, well, if you're ready to go on this, we'll get it all signed now. I'll load the tractor up on the trailer and have it with you this afternoon, tomorrow morning, whenever convenient.
which makes it a lot more like the automobile finance that you were talking about, where the dealer is primarily interested in making certain the customer drives off the dealer's lot in the car. So we think that that's a rosy picture, and it is a happy path, but that's where we feel the equipment leasing industry should be going. All of this technology is available, and given sensible, structured thinking, now is the time to get it done. Instead of waiting for everybody else to show that it can be done, we're hoping that fear of missing out is going to be the chief driver here. So what role do dealers play now? Is it something that they should be talking with their finance vendors about, manufacturers about? How can they be ready themselves within their own dealership? Well, the dealers should, I think, be forming relationships with financiers, finance companies that can help them do the things we're talking about. If their current firm can't express concrete plans to go and do that, then the dealer might want to look further afield for those who either can demonstrate this capability or plan to introduce it. My view about that is that demand will lead to its creation where it's not already there. And if the dealers demand it, then it'll happen. And the dealer will benefit from this, as will the dealer's customers. Yeah, and I think when the dealers look at their current infrastructure, you know, less of a technology and more simply about the solutions that they're providing to their end customers, you know, in many cases, there are certainly dealers that are still probably looking at this saying, well, I do a lot of paper-based transactions or, you know, I still take credit applications via faxes. How can I possibly even think about moving to this technology? And I think the answer there is that there's no reason to wait. There have been other firms, of course, you know, they're using you know, the web and sort of more, you know, updated technologies and, you know, traditional current platforms to be able to to manage their transactions. I think those folks who are really looking to take this leap, no matter where they're starting from, I think there are definitely going to be the finance companies that will help drive this with some of the technology platforms that are out there. And if the dealers are, you know, willing to take that step and become educated about what the possibilities are here, I think it's a really important first step to look for finance partners and or, you know, manufacturers who are also contributing to this technology and these platforms to be able to leverage what their partners are doing in order to start to provide and utilize these emerging technologies. We're not suggesting that dealers should try and turn themselves into sort of technically driven hybrids of finance companies and dealers. A dealer's business is dealing in their equipment. It should be that the finance companies, the banks and so forth, that are the providers of these services. And and as we've begun to note, some of them are moving in this direction and dealers need to take advantage of it. So what are you hearing from the other side that maybe some companies or people are just not as sold on the technology? You know, what are some of the risks that they're citing or some of the obstacles that are keeping this from moving forward? Yeah, I think there's definitely just a general, you know, fear of the technology. I think people are waiting for others to go first. You know, those are sort of the typical barriers of entry that you see here. I think what will really enable this technology, if you think about some of the parallels, if you will, in consumption-based models or pricing, you know, even things like you know, Uber or Lyft, technology platforms that have enabled and revolutionized an industry. In this case, the problems that dealers are facing are 
you know, structuring sales to their customers. Folks are, you know, reticent to buy the larger piece of equipment because they don't know they get all the benefit from it. There are ways here within these technologies that it can be done. And therefore, you know, you need to start that process and look to, you know, perhaps these firms can look to the, the larger players and some of the commercial financing areas and just draw parallels in some of the examples that are there to start to figure out, hey, is this investment you know, worth it for me? And put together some analysis to say, if I'm looking to expand my market share and grow my business and you know, I'm facing some competitive pressures, can these technologies you know, be a way for me to sustain my business and, and even grow and, and really optimize my market share? Adding a little bit to that, that there are a lot of dealers, I suspect a lot of dealers in your communities, where transaction sizes are quite modest. You're looking, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars as opposed to the twenty or thirty thousand dollar tractor. And in that space, particularly, I think, relevant for dealers to find relationships with the sorts of equipment finance companies that can deal with those sorts of applications immediately in the same way that you go buy an automobile and you don't have to wait very long to get an approval. Jeff, and to some extent, I deal with a number of our clients where those finance companies expect to do a transaction online and to run it through in minutes rather than over a period of days. And the dealers expect to get funding, what, the next day on those sorts of transactions. And so those things occur right now, quite rapidly with the right companies. So if our industry, our dealers are showing a real interest in this and they start those conversations, realistically, when could this happen? Is this is this something that could happen within a year or is it something that would really take five years or more? Well, the technology is available now. So it's a matter of willingness to use it. Some people are already doing it. In the smaller cases that I was just mentioning, it's already there and quite available. So it's really just a question of market research from the dealer's perspective, going to interview finance companies. Yeah, and I think today, you know, each of the technologies is in place individually. We don't know even in the, you know, the broader equipment finance space, at least as of, you know, the time of our research, that all three were together in end-to-end use case that our video production sort of demonstrated. But I think that, you know, within the next one to two years, I think people in, in this space will, you know, be employing certainly artificial intelligence, and then they'll be starting to look at the smart contract and blockchain capabilities. But I do think that absolutely within five years, you know, you will see people in this space utilizing one, two, perhaps all three of these technologies together in order to complete financing transactions and service their customer base who are, you know, increasingly technology savvy and and looking for, you know, optionality in their financing. Well, excellent. I think you've done a great job of explaining what the technology is and, and how our dealers can take advantage of it and what they need to do. Are there any final comments that you wanted to share, Roderick and Jeff, just about the technology and what it means for dealers? People still uh, are resistant of technology because they feel it takes away something from the way they do things. My opinion used to be that that was the case, but having lived in this world for so long, now I realize that technology can be a huge enabler and can really make us better. And I hope that your dealers are similar or become similarly opinionated. 
Yeah, and I would just add, you know, the biggest thing is is overcoming the fear of getting started or even or even looking into this. But ultimately, it's never about the technology; it's about the customer, right? And improving the service that you can provide to the customer, you know, be it through you know faster turnaround times, more you know options that really fit their needs, so that you know they can accomplish their goals. In almost all you know organizations, one of the mottos within them is customer service, right, and delivering value to the customers. And this will be a key value proposition to customers, these enhanced financing options over the next three to five years, I think it's important to get started, educate yourselves and get started, you know, in terms of, of understanding what the technologies can do for you and most importantly for your customers. Thank you again to Jeff Boots and Roderick Wilkins for explaining the technology that can lead to better equipment and financing solutions for your customers. They remind us that we shouldn't focus on the technology itself but see the options as tools. And dealers should know that the technologies are not removing them from the process of working with their customers or turning them into a hybrid of a finance company and equipment dealer. Ultimately, the technologies can help you become a more progressive partner and build customer loyalty. They hope the technologies will be in place in three to five years, but you can speed up the adoption by asking questions of your financing partners now. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Yanmar, for helping make this Rural Lifestyle Dealer podcast series possible. Please share your feedback on today's program by sending me an email to lwoolf at lessitermedia.com or call me at 316-648-3717. You can also keep up on the latest rural equipment news and trends by registering online for our e-newsletter and follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Stay tuned for additional podcasts from our experts and dealers. From all of us at Rural Lifestyle Dealer, I'm Lynn Wolf, and thanks for listening.